0: Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth as you deserve. Lord, help us to walk out of here changed a little bit more into the image of Jesus than when we came. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take a seat, please, and uh, be sure and fill out one of these blue connection cards. We'd love to know if you're with us, maybe for the first or second time, um, and we'd we'd love to know who you are and put that in the offering plate, or you can take it to the connection area out in the lobby, and then there's also prayer request cards. Everybody's certainly welcome to fill those out, and... uh, And the pastor and staff will pray for those every Tuesday morning we get together. And so please, uh, please do that. Well, hey, uh, today, as you know, we're uh, uh, amending or not, not amending, uh, foregoing, postponing um, the study in uh, Ephesians for a while. And uh, Pastor Philip has just taken a few um, thematic things to, to speak about. And so today we're on heaven. And that's exciting. As soon as he said that, I thought, you know, I bet the church would like to sing some good old heaven songs, and so we're going to do that. And but let's let's start instead of starting with the good old heaven songs, I want to introduce you to a song we've done it a couple of times. Vintage Voices have sung it a couple of times. That's uh, a great new heaven hymn, and uh, it it says that we're almost home. Let's sing it together.
1: From a single anchor, we're almost home. Through every toil and danger, we're almost home. How many pilgrim saints have before us gone? No stopping now,
2: we're almost
1: home. That promised land is calling, we're almost home, and not a tear. Blessed short, oh but praise the, the Lord. Lord, we're almost home. short, oh praise the Lord. Chosen what shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the role is called up yonder. I'll be there when the
0: pray for our offering today. Lord God, we've heard uh, sometimes uh, people say that uh, we can be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. And um, on the contrary, we need to keep our goal in focus that we do have an eternal home. And um, I I particularly believe that that would make us more earthly good, knowing that uh, what our focus is, its focus is to be with you forever, to be with you for eternity, to to uh, ask our friends and our neighbors and our family to come with us to that heavenly kingdom. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, pray that as we give today, that that would be true of of our offering, that it would go toward uh, helping men and women, boys and girls, come to find Jesus, disciple them, and grow them up uh, as fully mature believers in Jesus. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I. This is my
2: Brother David and I feel like we're in a protracted meeting. (laughs) I don't know if you ever remember that or not, but growing up, there would be protracted meetings, which were revivals. What that meant is, you preach a couple of days, and if the Spirit was working, you just kept on going. You had multiple nights that may extend to a week or two of the preaching of the Word and singing, but we have spent the last three nights up in Dadeville uh, preaching the Word and singing, and it was such a blessing kind of gets us in trouble though we come back home and we tell everybody that we sang our quartet sang up there and they're like why don't y'all sing here you know so we get ourselves in trouble when we do that kind of thing and David leading this many old hymns certainly got us in trouble right with our senior adults let's do that once a month preacher right Uh oh see there here we go All right. well you're going to be miserable in heaven because you're going to have to sing a new song Because the Bible says you will. All right. In 1952, Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean on the coast of Catalina Island, and she was determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather on this particular day was foggy and chilly, and she could hardly see the boats that were accompanying her. She swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her own mother in the boat alongside her said, Honey, you're close. You can make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out of the water. She later discovered, after she had been pulled from the boat, that the shore was only a half mile away. At a news conference, this is what she said. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I could have made it. Well, I don't know if it's ever occurred to you, but the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they saw the shore. They saw it by faith for sure, but they saw it at a distance. Hebrews 11, verse 13. Listen to the word of the Lord. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For the people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, in Abraham's case, it would have been Haran, right? They would have had an opportunity to return. But, as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, please see what faith achieves right here. Please see this. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Our text tells us that they welcomed it. They kept their eyes on it. In a real sense what we learn is that the Old Testament saints had the title deed of faith in their hands. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1, they had the title deed of faith in their hands. And not only did they see the shore in front of them and know that it was theirs, the actual entire land was theirs. So they held on by faith, and by faith they saw it from afar. By faith they reached it. In a sense, they lived by faith and died by faith, longing to reach, not Palestine, but the heavenly shore. What the writer wants you to know is that they all died, check this out, according to faith. This is the only time in the book of Hebrews that this construction is actually used, died in faith. And the idea is that they died according to the standard of faith. Habakkuk 2.4 says the righteous shall live by his faith. Not live in such a way to gain faith, but the righteous will live by his or her faith. And this is what you see in Hebrews 11. They died with faith being that regulating principle in the way that they lived, check it out, and the way they died, the way they lived and died. Faith was the state in which they lived and died with much less revelation than you and I have today. Understand, most of the promises were out in front of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet they lived their lives with the title deed of faith in their hands, not having received the promises. That's how they lived. Faith determined the entirety of their lives, it shaped and governed the way that they lived. When death came, they died by the same standard by which they had lived, they died in the same state. To which they have lived. Their faith not only triumphed over the trials of life. And trials they had. Many of them. But it also triumphed for them at the moment of death. Think about this for a moment. It's one thing to triumph over the trials of life by faith. We could say that we really don't have a choice. lest we abandon ourselves to unbelief. Right? But the moment truth comes. The moment of truth comes. Not when the rent is due. But when your eyelids close at death. That's the difference, right? That will be the moment of truth. R.C. Sproul said of James Montgomery Boyce, he died in faith. Oh, that that could be said about each one of us to die in faith. He said, that's the way that he lived. And that's the way I want to die in faith. The report was that he was giving praise to God and singing hymns in the last moments. He died in faith. We live and die by the same standard of faith. Here's the amazing thing about these guys. Again, they died not having received the promise. But still died at the same standard of faith. They possessed the promise the whole way. But not the fulfillment of that promise in their life. This is remarkable faith. It's a reminder to us that most of what God has promised you, ladies and gentlemen, you won't get until the future. And is that convicting? Well, it is to me. Most of what God has for you, if you're in Christ, you have not received it yet. The bulk of what you're going to receive is in the future. You don't get most of what is promised in the here and now. Now, we have some wonderful promises in this life. And we know that the God we serve will keep those wonderful things and promises for us. But let's be honest, the vast majority of what he gives us will not be given to us in this life, but the life that is to come. We often forget this. This will not be fulfilled in the ordinary experiences of life on earth, but it comes to fulfillment when you either close your eyes in death or, let's pray this, that Jesus returns. Right? Now, I've often struggled with that. Lord, do I want to go up in the rapture and not have to face death? Or do I want to see you conquer death for me? To raise me up like you were raised up. To exhume my body and put it back together and zip me on to glory. Here's the deal. You're going to be changed no matter what. If you are alive and remain, you're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But you won't go like you are. Because perishable cannot inherit imperishable. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But don't forget this. This is the way the patriarchs lived. They possessed these promises. And the fulfillment of these promises were actually far off. And they saw it and they embraced it through the eye of faith. They made them their own. They clearly understood their position on earth. They lived out the definition that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now think about much of God's word that we have compared to what Abraham had. Folks, you sit in a seat today where you see everything fulfilled in Christ Jesus the Lord. Everything has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. That's what the Bible says. And this is, where, this is where you sit today. When God's word came to them, it was so true. It was so real that they could see the promise by faith. And seeing the promises and knowing God's faithful track record, they welcomed them into their hearts though they were far off. The fulfillment was down the line. In doing this, they were making a confession. Here was their confession. We're strangers and we're exiles. And this land is not our home. Their faith actually was lived out in actions and words. They they lived it out. They knew that where they were presently in their sojourn was not it. Right? Right? Do you find this incredibly convicting? Their eye for heaven seems to be a whole lot, whole lot more vibrant and vigorous than what we have. When we all get to heaven. <laughs> I looked around at some of you slugs. <laughs> we are so, so earthbound in our day. And I think some of it has to be the affluence and the materialism in our country that may go away real fast it's already going away I'm telling you, you will long for heaven way more when you have less because you know your treasures can't be stored on earth but God has built your treasures he's wired you in such a way if you're truly saved and you're righteous and you're living by faith he's wired you in such a way where you know that this world is not it you know this so my feeling is that we're so quite happy here when we sing, when we all get to heaven. We're like, we want to go, Lord, but I don't want to sign up today, right? We, 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 we have so many things. Lord, don't take me this week. On, uh, next Sunday, one son gets married. And then a little later, Hannah and Timothy get married, right? On Friday, I'm like, well, you know, I'd kind of like to see that. So don't take me right now, Lord. But hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain, Right? We, we think about those things we want to see. We want to see more grandbabies. Hint, amen. right? Amen. Yeah, amen. My point is, this life compared to the life to come pales in comparison. This is a blip of misery compared to what's in the future. So, when it came time to lay down their earthly sojourn, they knew what God had in store for them, Okay? I have a one sermon, I have one point for the sermon. And you've heard me say this many times. It's good that a a preacher actually has a point when he preaches. Here it is. Faith in God enables us to desire a better life in heaven. Is that not what we see here? Just, Just look at this for a moment. They saw the city from afar. What their faith revealed is that they sought this homeland. They could have returned to the earthly place. And what their faith achieved was that God is not ashamed to be called their God, and God has indeed prepared a city for them. I mean, that's the objective structural outline of the text of Scripture. That's, That's what's going on. Abraham died before seeing the children of Israel actually march into the promised land. We know that's contextually true. But he also died in faith. It's one thing to live by faith, but it's another entirely different thing to be facing your own death and still carry that fate to the end. This is what Abraham did. So, here's the major premise in verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. You get, do you get this, folks? Words and actions of those patriarchs made it clear that they were seeking a heavenly home. Their words and their actions made it clear. That is the major thematic premise of verses 11 through 16. Their faith made a difference in their actions and the way they lived. And they knew full well that they were just resident aliens here and that God's true homeland was in the future. That's what they lived. So, talk about conviction. What can we extract from our conversations regarding our priorities and the things we seek and long for? It's clear that the patriarchs knew that the better life was in heaven. This was a real homeland that transcended anything that Palestine could ever offer. Even when God makes the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 that he will multiply his posterity. He will multiply. Uh, we We know the fulfillment of that. That was only possible through Christ. That God would bless all the nations through him. But he knew full well that it was bigger than just a piece of property about the size of Rhode Island. Y'all do know that, right? That piece of property was about the size of Rhode Island. And he knew full well. Abraham had it in his mind, much like Moses, that he was looking for a city that's foundations were sure. Not, Not a physical piece of land. Notice what they were doing. They were seeking it. Do y'all think that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were ordinary people? I mean, when we think about the patriarchs, we think big people. Think about us, little people, right? They're extraordinary. (laughs) We're just ordinary. But I have to remind you that here's people that were ordinary just like me and you, and yet they were seeking this kingdom. They were seeking this city. What can we say about Abraham? I mean, how do you feel about that guy when he sends his wife down to a king's court named Abimelech, and he says to him, when he asks who you are, just tell him you're my sister. And had it not been for God, he would have tried to take her in sexual relations. But the Bible says that the Lord God said to him, you're not touching this woman. And you know what? He didn't touch that woman because God stopped him. But then we think about Abraham, you're just an ordinary guy. And as a matter of fact, you bumped your head that day when you said that, when you told your wife to do that. What can we say about Isaac? Well, there's not much to say. He's kind of boring. The most exciting thing is that he's going to be offered up as a sacrifice and he says, well, dad, where's the wood? I mean, there's not much said about Isaac. What can we say about Jacob? If you ask me which one I'd have as a neighbor, I'd rather have o Esau. At least he would have taken me hunting. <laughs> I mean, think about it. He's Bubba. He hangs out and sits on the tailgate before the football game. Jacob's name means the back of the hill, someone who clutches as he was born grabbing the heel of his twin brother. Huh? <sighs> you want to live next to a heel grabber? A deceiver? But the fact of the matter is... When push comes to shove, the only thing that made the difference was the God who called them. But they were not, they were they were unimpeded even by their imperfection. They still sought something bigger than themselves. Ordinary people. They've been so gripped by God that nothing short of living with him would satisfy them. Please hear that. When you're that man who finds that treasure in the field, And you leave and you go sell all that you have to go back and purchase that treasure. Then you know what it means to belong to Christ. You know full well he's your all satisfying treasure. And you'll never be satisfied until you see him face to face. And God hardwires you that way if you're walking by faith. I'm telling you, the righteous live by faith. These guys had it all. They were told that they had the land coming, right? ...that was full of milk and honey. They tasted it. What they tasted kind of ruined everything else that life had to offer. But inevitably it was not the Palestinian land. It was heaven. It was heaven. What he he has for us is far better than what this world has to offer. Have Have we so tasted the precious promises of our God? Have we come to understand that true happiness can only come from God? And why would we seek anything else... Verse 15 presents the evidence that they lived this way. Hear it again. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. If all that they had wanted was to be happy down here, they had plenty of opportunity to take the riches and settle and enjoy the world. You understand that Abraham was wealthy. Abraham, we learn from Joshua, uh, worshipped false gods. He did. He did. Until God spoke to his heart. Until God lifted him out of the Ur of the Chaldees. He could have gone back to all that cattle. He could have gone back to all those worldly possessions. But Abraham did not do that. They could have gone backwards. And this is indicating that faith would not have been achieved. In other words, they'd have missed the mark. It wasn't going to allow them to do that, right? But the fact of the matter is, they didn't go backwards. They had simply... uh, Accomplished in the Old Testament covenant what God was asking his readers to do in their life. They were models for us. Men who went forward and not backwards. Why? It was because of the way of the inheritance was forward. The way to the inheritance is not backwards, church family. It's forward. So to turn back and reject the promise would have been rejecting the life of faith. Why? Because God had already given them the promise. What they were supposed to do. Right? He would already told them what to do. So. For the readers to have this temptation. Remember. He's trying to encourage the readers of Hebrews. Not to start progressing in your walk with Christ. And turn back. If you turn back. You prove you've never had it to begin with. Right? It's about progressing. If their heart would have been set on this world. They would have been happy building homes. And settling in. But they did not. My prayer is that we won't be happy in this world either. Not in that sense of finding full satisfaction here. They were not only seeking something, they were longing for something. They desired a better city. See that word? And it was a heavenly one. Do you remember what was said about Abraham in verse 10? Listen to it. For he was looking, I said Moses a while ago, but it's actually Abraham. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Hebrews 12:22, listen to it. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to assemble to an assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. When the roll is called up yonder. hey biblical precedent right there, right? Of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Are you in that number? Enrolled in heaven. And to the God, the judge of all. And to the spirit, to the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Look. And and it speaks another of, of someone else. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Huh. Remember when Cain killed Abel? And Abel's blood still speaks? Well, the blood of Christ still speaks too. Amen. If we were going through Hebrews, I'd have to camp out right there for a little while. But we're not, okay? So, chapter 13, verse 14. Listen to it. For here we have no lasting city. Can I get any clearer than that? For here we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. We seek the one. So when he says... This, he is telling us that these men who lived according to the faith actually had their hearts set not upon an earthly Jerusalem, but only heavenly Jerusalem, a new heaven and a new earth. Their sights were set on, an, on a new heaven and a new earth, which was ultimate, the ultimate goal of the promises that God had made to them. In other words, when Abraham saw the borders of Palestine, as awesome as it was for sure, Abraham could say, excuse the grammar, that ain't it. When he saw Palestine, he said, that's not it. The Lamb was a prophetic type of a greater inheritance that's to come. It wasn't ultimately the land, again, about the size of Rhode Island. It was the entire world as the new heaven and the new earth as God's eternal inheritance. God says, I'm going to give you this, but in reality, I'm going to give you so much more. Isn't that how God is? Roman, uh, excuse me, Revelation twenty one and twenty two describes for us what this city will be. Unbelievable. He will tabernacle over us and we will dwell with him and he will dwell with us. We'll have communion with our God. The new heaven and new earth is the ultimate consummation of all that God has promised us. And here's what the writer says. They were longing for it. They not only were seeking it, but there was something deep inside of them that said to them, this is where I ultimately belong. I can pitch a tent in Canaan. But that is not where I will settle down forever. The ultimate satisfaction of your soul cannot be found on this earth. The ultimate satisfaction for your soul cannot be found on this earth. The world cannot satisfy it. This is proven when people win the lottery. Did you know it? Over and over again. That usually turns out how does it turn out for them? Not too good. I wish I had all the money to do what I want. Then their lives turn out to be more miserable when they get all this money. And they were better off to have nothing. Happens over and over again. does it matter if it is relationships or things. How many of us have said this? If I just had this job, if I could just land this job, I would be the happiest person in all the earth. The next thing we say is, man, my boss is a jerk. Right? We think that's going to give us happiness. We're so short-sighted if we think that we're going to find ultimate satisfaction in this world. Some of you, and I've heard this, well, if I could just get married. (sighs) How can I say this to you? (laughs) The fact of the matter is, you're about to get hitched to another sinner. Aren't you? Marriage won't do it in and of itself. Remember, in glory, you won't be given to marriage. You'll be married to the Lamb, which is the fulfillment of the picture of why God made marriage to begin with, to be an analogy of a greater reality Christ and His church. God has hardwired us in such a way that we have longings and desires that will not be realized until we enter an eternal state with God Himself. That's the way it is. Now, I want to be a happy person, don't we? My goal in life is not to be miserable. We want, we want to be happy people. This is why lost people seek satisfaction outside of Christ, right? They want to be happy. They want these things. But the Bible tells us only Jesus can satisfy. Amen. Only Christ can meet that ultimate need. Jesus said, I am the bread of life that has come down from heaven. Whoever comes to me and eats from me will never hunger again. Awesome. Awesome. I'm the living water. One who comes to me will never thirst again. When we come to faith in Christ, we realize immediately that we're on a path to the ultimate happiness that God has wired us for. We see that promise from afar. It's in front of us. We've tasted enough of the goodness of Christ the Lord to know that what he has for us in the future is so incredible. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You will not find that in this world. Please remember that. Now get this and we're done. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Oh, I think about my own life. think about our church. God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know, this is another way of saying he gladly calls himself their God. How many times throughout scripture does he say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac? Jacob. He could have said many different things and all would have been true but he prefers prefers to identify himself alright y'all listening he prefers to identify himself with sojourners who knew they were their actions and their words proved that this world was not where it is. Their actions and their words and their thoughts in other words their faith achieved something It achieved God saying, I'm not ashamed to be called your God. Why? Because you get this. You get that this world is not your home. That heaven is your home. Philippians. We are citizens of heaven. Now I know that seems to be an oxymoron. Because you're actually a citizen of the U.S. But folks, your real homeland is in heaven. You're a citizen there. But you're living here on borrowed time. You're living here... As a resident alien. And I'm not talking about the little green things they show on TV. They think these flying saucers are flying. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. Resident alien. What does that mean? This is not your home. Uh, you're, you're here for a while. You're just passing through. Heaven is your ultimate home. But he, he prefers to identify himself to other sojourners like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God says, they set their hearts on me. And what I have in store for them. And I am delighted to say I am their God. Don't you want that said of you? Don't you want that said of you? That I am so in tune. (sighs) I have to be careful what I say nowadays. But I want to remind you that faith is a gift from God. And when God gives you faith hold that title deed in your hand and you know that this life is not what is ultimate here on earth it's not the most important thing it's passing away and all the things of this world are passing away but he who does the will of my father abides forever we hear that, we hear it and we say our God is not ashamed to be called our God now see the last line he's prepared a city for them God made it for them, and they desired it. It reminds me of, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. He's delighted to be called their God. So we should pray that God would give us an acute sense of the fact that he has something better for us. I think if we have it, the temporary afflictions that we're dealing with right now in our lives can be endured when we keep that focus when we by faith lay hold of the reality that, when, that what awaits us is so much better it's a better heavier future weight of glory then these temporary afflictions that we see are no problem that's what Paul said anyway do they hurt us? yes do we wobble? yes it's however what's in store that can help us get through the temporary keep your eye on the prize folks It'll be worth it when you see Jesus. Will you die in faith knowing that God has something better for you? That's how Abraham lived. D.L. Moody was a man that shook two continents for Christ. He heard a man say one time, God has yet to see what one man can do if he's fully committed to Jesus. D.L. Moody heard that and he said, You know what, I'll be that man. Boy, howdy. He tried. No doubt about it. But his son actually recorded his last words when he died. And here's what D.L. Moody said. He said, earth recedes and heaven opens. If this is death, while there is nothing awful here, this is bliss. Do not call me back. God is calling me home. I must Go. How will you live? And how will you die? All these died in faith. You've received way more of the fulfillment of the promises than they did. How will you live? Let us pray. Lord God, Father, help us. Lord, we need to be reminded of heaven. Lord, I've been looking at our world and our country, and oh, Lord, we just. We just wonder what's going to happen. We, we look at things and they, they certainly don't fall into the line of Judeo-Christian principles or what we value most from the Bible and we, we want to throw our hands up. But Lord, let us remember that that's one of your promises. That you're in control. That you will make all things new. Nothing is spiraling out of control. You're in control. And you will accomplish your purposes. But even if we're not able to live in a country that we once knew, we don't want to stay in this country. You have prepared for us a city where there'll be no more need for light, because your son will be the light. Lord, we will know you by the prints of the nails in your hands. The Bible tells us in Revelation that you stand as a lamb that was slain. We're gonna know the one who bore our sins in his body on the tree. We're gonna know the one who gave us his righteousness because without it, we'd never be there. We're so thankful, and we say today, Worthy is the Lamb. Father, if there's someone lost today, may you open their eyes, open their hearts, turn on the light. Give them understanding. When you give them understanding, they'll understand there's no other refuge outside of Christ. We hide our soul in Him. Lord, our affections will change. Our desires will change. We'll have faith in Jesus. Father, would you work your work of grace in hearts today. And for Christians, God help us have the eternal perspective. Help us treasure those things which are in the future. More than what we have here, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you
0: stand with me and let's sing this hymn of invitation? Just as I am, just as I am. With
2: She's better known as Evie Curtis, and she's coming home. And praise the Lord, her husband Dylan's in military, and uh, she just wants to come back and, and be a part of this church body that she grew up in. To God be the glory. She knows Jesus, she followed in believer's baptism. So we just want you to be introduced again. For some of you, you know her, for some of you, you don't. But this is Miss Evie, and glad to have you today. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Glad to have this little one, too, right? He liked my preaching, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. It made him scream, right? He was going after it. Yeah. He preached right along with me. All right, Ms. E. what had you go back there with, Don? Outreach. Yes. All right, any other decisions this morning need to be made? Everybody good? Got your focus on glory and heaven? Amen. All right. Uh, today, uh, don't come back to the church tonight for visitation. If you're going, Don has the cards ready out in the for you out in the commons, right? So if you if you're willing to make a visit today or any time this week and we've had many, many people visiting our church or first time visitors, so there's cards to pick up. You don't have to do it today. But would you commit if you take that card to do it sometime during the week and you can even take a picture of it with your phone after you write down and send it to Don. So that he can document that. Okay? So if you're going on visitation today, grab your cards as you go out. Y'all coming up here? Come on up here. This is Ty and Misty Schumacher. Shoemaker. Shoemaker. This guy right here was saved out of Mormonism. Yes. Trusted, trusted Christ later has. Uh, was baptized in the Mormon faith. But is about to be baptized in the Christian faith. Amen.
1: We teased on the way home. We say you're going to wash the Mormon right
2: out. <laughs> yeah. Well, amen. Both of them have trusted Christ as Lord. So they're coming by profession of faith. And we're going to baptize them. To God be the glory. Amen. So, And they're going to be joining our church in the same, at the same time. So we just rejoice at Ty and Misty and how God is working in their lives so uh, we just say to God be the glory. Amen? Amen? So just welcome Ty and Misty. I say it right? Mitzi. Mitzi. Okay. All right. God bless you. Y'all walk to the back, back there with Don, and we'll greet you going out. Amen? God is good. Amen. The Lord has blessed in so many ways, and so we, we trust the Lord. Uh, got a lot of hurting people uh, around this world, but I hope you keep your focus on the eternal city uh, Jesus is better than anything this life has to offer you now. Far better than anything this life can take away from you here because God's given you all in heaven, right? Praise the Lord for that. All right, Brother David. Well, let's lift our voices about
0: heaven one more time. In the sweet by and by. In the sweet by
1: and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet that view